All right, well, good morning, everybody. So glad you've joined us today. I remember uh, probably six or eight years ago, I remember catching a radio program. It was right before Father's Day, and uh, I remember I was, I don't know, on my way somewhere, and I caught maybe the last five minutes of a radio program, and it caught my attention so much that, uh, that I actually went back later and found the uh, online, found the, the, the program in its entirety, and, uh, and, and listened through it, and it was probably the most powerful uh, radio program I've ever heard in my life. And it was all on this topic of fathers. And uh, what they had done is this, this uh, again, national kind of radio program had sort of opened it up and said, hey, we're in honor of Father's Day, we're going to do a show entirely of clips of you. Like people could call in and, and share things about their relationship with their dad. It could be a poem, it could be a funny story, it could be something. And it was unbelievable, I have to say. I couldn't believe, by the way, the range of emotion that was experienced in this program because for some, they started talking about their dad. And they, I mean, you could tell they were filled up. They had, they had fathers, they had great memories, they had moments where their dads had, had lovingly come alongside them and poured into them and loved them and raised them up and, and helped them become more than they ever thought they could be, right? I mean, those kinds of, of, of stories and moments. And one person after another, you know, saying, man, I, w- I hope I can be half as good a dad as my dad was to me. And there's, there's powerful stuff like that. Or, or uh, again, some might, might tell a story about ways they'd been hurt or wounded deeply, uh, and their dads had come alongside and tenderly loved them and encouraged them and prayed for them, laid, hand, laid a hand on them and just, and just cared for them in the midst of that. And so you've got some of those kind of stories. I mean, just some amazing stories of some amazing fathers. But then as well, and we all know where this is going, right? But then there were some on the other end of the spectrum too. There were some stories about ways that dads had been absent, maybe, that left gaping holes in people's lives. There were stories uh, about maybe an alcoholic or an abusive kind of father that, and and there were tears shed for both groups, but, you know, tears shed in this group because of the damage that had been done to their soul. It was all over the place, and I have to say, they had pretty much every listener in America bawling their eyes out (laughs) during this entire program. It stayed with me, like I said, for probably six or eight years. Uh, I can still remember some of the stories, uh, again, some powerful because of the impact and the legacy of love that had been left behind in others uh, with devastating consequences of an absent or an abusive father. It was powerful and amazing to listen to all the different emotions and the variety of pictures that people had as they thought about this one concept of father. We are on week number four of a series that we're doing here at Ignite called Who Do You Think You Are? (laughs) And it's a series uh, that's all about sort of understanding and stepping into our God-given identity, who He says we are. We're taking some time every week to kind of look at one piece of the puzzle uh, of what God looks at His followers and, and what, he, what it is when He looks at you and He says, this is my dream for you. This is who you are meant to be. This is who I've made you to be. We've been talking about what that looks like in the real world and trying to uncover some of those pieces of the identity of how God sees us. And this week, of course, I want to talk about and I want us to focus in on uh, our identity as children of God, as sons and daughters of God. But the problem that I kept facing this week is exactly the same problem that I, that I faced in that radio program, right? The, the problem I kept facing is if, if I say, hey, you're a son or daughter of God, there are as many different pictures that happen in our brains 
as there are people in the room. For some of us, when we start saying, hey, you are God's son or God's daughter, he's, he's like your father. For some of us, that's an awesome picture, right? That's an amazing picture. For others of us, it might be a devastating picture. And, and still for a third group, it might be like, a, like we're, we're brain dead, like beep, right? like we got nothing. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it's sort of neutral. We don't even know what to, we don't even know what that looks like or what that means or what that says. And so today, I want us to kind of dig into that and look a little bit more. I remember um, another time, this is probably my sophomore or junior year of college. I'd been a Christ follower for about a year. I remember getting invited over to, um, uh, it was an intervarsity staff worker's house. It was uh, somebody that was on our campus, her and her husband's house, and had dinner with them, and they were just kind of getting to know me and that kind of stuff. And I remember sharing with them a little bit about my story, and they're asking questions. And, and uh, I was just telling them, like, hey, I, uh, you know, so my background, my, you know, my biological dad left before I was born. Uh, and so, that's been a thing for me, and just talking about had a stepdad growing up, and I had some, you know, there's some good and some bad about about that kind of stuff. And and I remember um, there's this moment when uh, this our staff worker kind of stopped, and she said, "How is how do you think your relationship with your dad and stepdad has impacted your view of God?" And I remember thinking. That's a stupid question. Like, I don't think it's impacted my view of God at all. I mean, like, I, what, what are you talking about? Now, I mean, for me, it seemed like a, a stupid question, a mute point. Looking back, in hindsight, I'm like, that, that's probably one of the most naive things I've ever said. You want to know why? It's because, like it or not, right, like it or lump it, it doesn't matter. The, the whole idea is that when we start looking at God and we start imagining who He is, we tend to superimpose our relationship with our Father, and we put that up on God if we're not careful. And I have to tell you, over the years, I've seen that time and time and time again, and I've realized, you know, until I've dealt with my own stuff and acknowledged ways that I think my picture of God and my, my picture of what a good dad looks like is skewed, until I've dealt with some of that stuff, I haven't felt free. I've been sort of stunted in my spiritual life. I haven't been free to grow and embrace who God actually is. And in fact, the other piece of that is I don't think I've been free to... Uh, to become the kind of dad that I was meant to be until I can acknowledge some of those things. And so today, uh, I want us to kind of zero in on, on this whole idea of God as Father and as us as sons and daughters. And, and I want us to kind of dig into that a little bit because I think the same is true for us spiritually. I think for, for us, some of us have all different kinds of pictures. Some are true, some are untrue. Some, some are just come from our own woundedness and our own past and our own brokenness. But, but as a result, our spiritual lives, our relationship with God oftentimes is stunted. It's, it's, it's less than what it could be because we've got these misperceptions of who God is. And so today I want to zero in and we're going to spend a couple minutes just, just looking at a few verses where, where God just talks about our identity as sons and daughters. But then secondly, I'm going to, I want us to kind of walk through it. I've got five different things I want us to zero in on about what that actually means that we are sons and daughters of God and what it means that God is our Father. And in the midst of all this, I'm hoping that we can sort of sift through some of the junk and gain some clarity on who God actually is and, on, in, and, and vice versa, right, on who we are to Him. Because I think it's powerful. I think it's life-changing if we grab hold of it. I think it, it, it's transformational if we can grab hold. All right, so that's where we're going. Stick with me. Uh, we're going to start out just looking at, a, uh, again, a few kind of verses that kind of talk about this whole idea of us being children of God. And we'll start out here if you're going to pop up that next slide. John 1.12. 
says, yet to all those who did receive him, to those who received Christ, to those who believed in his name, it says, he gave them the right to become, what does that say? Children of God. Okay, that was weak, by the way. <laughs> if I say, what does that say? Why don't you say, he gave us the right to become what? Oh, see, that's so much better. Isn't that nice? All right, let's keep going. First John 3, 1. This is one of my all-time favorite verses. Uh, he says this. He says, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. God has lavished. He has extravagantly poured out His love on you so that, so that you and I can become children of God. Amazing, jaw-dropping kind of stuff. Romans 8.16 says this. It says, the Spirit Himself the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Over and over and over throughout the pages of God's book, He tells us that if you and I have put our faith in Christ, if we have opened up our heart and said, come Lord Jesus, come and, and forgive me and save me and lead me, and be my God. If we have put our faith and trust in Christ like that, then we are children of God. It doesn't matter if it feels that way to you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter even if we've got the accurate picture of what that looks like. That's who we are. It's part of our identity. It's a big deal. It impacts everything. And if, and if we can understand and live out this identity as God's sons and daughters, it has the potential to revolutionize our lives. So let's talk about what that means. First thing I'm just going to kind of mention here uh, is, is, is it means that we belong to His family. It means we belong to His family forever. Ephesians 1.5 puts it this way. It says, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. This is what He wanted to do, and it gave Him great pleasure. Isn't that awesome? This is what God wanted to do. He wanted to bring you into His family through Christ. It gave him great pleasure to do so. He has adopted us into his family forever. Once we were outside of his family, but through Jesus, if we have opened up our hearts, if we have put our faith in him, if we just cried out to him, Jesus, come and save me, come and rescue me, I need you, then he has brought us into his home. He has adopted us as his sons and daughters, and we belong to his family forever. It's a pretty cool thought. 1 Peter 2.10 puts it this way. It says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. It's a transformational thought. We have a people. You have a people. You have a family. It's powerful stuff. So again, this week, even when God was designing uh, His church, He had this kind of thing in mind. Not only are we part of God's family, like the big family, like along with every other Christ follower in the world throughout history, right? That's, that not only on the big scale are we a part of His family, but He also designed the local church and little, little churches like this one, like Ignite. And He has put you in this kind of place to be a part of a family, where he himself is the head and he is the leader and he is the, right, the savior and the shepherd and all that kind of stuff. But, but also where we can be a part of a family together. There's it's something powerful about that. Something powerful about that image. That was God's dream for you. People that care about you. You have a family. People that are here to serve you and love you and vice versa. You're here to serve and love them. People that are going to help coach you into the life that God made you for. God has put each one of us into his family, into his church, and he himself is the head and invites us into his family to be around his table with him forever. It's powerful. I remember hearing a story one time by a, 
pastor, writer by the name of Fred Craddock, and he talks about vacationing down south in Tennessee someplace. Fred and his wife were seated at a table at a little local dive, and uh, a man came up and said, hey, you know, introduced himself, said, hey, are you folks on vacation? Fred said, yeah, we're on vacation, we're having a great time, all that kind of stuff. And uh, and he asked, he went ahead and asked him, he said, well, what do you do for a living? And Fred said, I was trying to get rid of the guy, so I told him I'm a preacher, right? He thought that would be the end of the conversation. And, uh, and he's like, oh, that's great. So he pulls up a chair and he says, well, let me tell you a preacher story then. And he's like, okay, whatever. And so he pulls this up. He said, you know what? I want to listen to this story. He said, I was born an illegitimate child. I never knew who my father was. And it was really hard for me. The kids at school made fun of me, called me names. When I walked around our little town, I always felt like people were whispering and looking and saying, who's the father of that little boy? Who does he belong to? I spent a lot of time by myself growing up, and I didn't have many friends. One day, a new pastor came to town, and everybody in the little town was buzzing and said, oh, man, you got to come hear this guy, right? I mean, he's, he's a great communicator, good preacher, good pastor, all that kind of stuff. And he said, he said, I was so curious that I went. He's like, I'd never really gone to church before, but I had to hear what all the buzz was about. So he's like, I came in one day. He's like, I sat in the back. I came in late and I left early, but I came and listened to the message and he was good. He said, so I started coming back week after week after week. And every week I'd come in late and leave early. I didn't want to get stuck there. So I'd have to talk to him or talk to anybody, right? I just wanted to come in and kind of hear him and then leave. He's like, but one week, I got so caught up in the sermon, I forgot to leave. And he said, he said, uh, suddenly everybody in the whole church stood up and started leaving and I was trapped. He's like, and then right behind me, I felt hands on my shoulders. And I, he's like, I turned around and looked up and there was the tall, big pastor behind me. And, and uh, he said, welcome, son. He said, he said, hey, who are you? Whose son are you? And he said, with those words, my gut sank. And, and, then he, and then he recovered, right, and said, he said, oh, I know who you are. He's like, there's a family resemblance. He's like, you're a child of God, are you? And he's like, he said, uh, the old man said to this pastor, he said, you know what, sir, he said, those words changed my life, changed everything for me. And with that, he, the old man got up and he left. The waitress came over immediately after and asked, do you know who that was? No. Uh, the pastor said, yeah, this pastor said, he said, that's Ben Hooper. He's a two-time governor of Tennessee. <laughs> I, I heard that story and I thought, man, that's, there's something powerful for us when we really start to understand and grab a hold of this whole idea that we belong, right? We belong to God's family. We are His child. We have I mean, there's, there's great purpose in, in all of that. All of a sudden, there's, there's a sense of belonging and identity that's a part of that. We are accepted. We matter because we are a part of God's family. He is our, Galatians 3, 26 through 29. When we grab hold of that, it changes our perspective and it brings us to life. Galatians 3, 26 through 29 says this. It says, so in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are, uh, who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Him. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, meaning you're part of His family, and you are heirs according to that promise. You know what I love about this Galatians verse? It's kind of talking about standing and value. God, here, I want you to listen to this, because when we talk about uh, 
when we talk about you being a part of God's family as a son or daughter, I want you to hear this. God isn't playing favorites. Sometimes we think, well, yes, I get this whole son or daughter thing, but there's some of God's children that he really likes, right? Some that are like super Christians, and they're in tight with him, and they hear from him, and they walk with him, and whatever else, but that's for them. The rest of us are over here, and he's not quite as fond with us, as, you know, of us as he is with them. But I love what, what Galatians is saying. He's like, you don't understand. He's, they're talking about status kind of stuff. There's no favorites. He's not saying it doesn't matter if you're male or female, if you're a, a Jew in that day or a Gentile, if you're an insider or an outsider in terms of God's people. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be a slave. You could be a free. But it doesn't matter who you are. You are God's son or daughter. You are dearly loved. You are precious to him and you matter. Do you hear that? That is what's true about you. You belong to him. You're part of his family. You matter. Second thing, we'll kind of keep going here. Child of God means we have bold access to God. I remember when I was first starting out in ministry, I was like, I don't know, 22 years old. We uh, were serving at a little church up uh, near Rockford, Illinois, doing youth and worship. And uh, I remember, I mean, I'm 22, I don't know anything. <laughs> I'd only been a Christian for four years at that time, and I was still just kind of getting to know God's story and getting to know uh, about following Him and walking with Him and stuff. And, and so I sat down and wrote out some letters, because this is kind of on the early days of email, but actually, you know, pen, paper, the whole shebang. And I wrote some letters out to some sort of megachurch pastors uh, in Chicago and in Rockford and in the area, and, and just asked, hey, would, it be, would you be open to me uh, buying you lunch, and I'd love to just pick your brain, uh, learn a little bit about ministry and about life and about how I can uh, uh, have some effective ministry, you know, kind of stuff. And what I learned pretty quickly there is that um, I didn't actually have access to any of them. I started getting letters back, like, from their secretaries. It made it obvious that they, the pastors themselves had never seen this letter at all, and they said, no, he's way too busy for that kind of thing, and, uh, and, and kind of sent it back. And, of course, my little 22-year-old hopes were, were all dashed. <laughs> but, but that that, that's sort of how that kind of thing works. In fact, I remember when we first moved to Peoria six years ago, I did a similar thing. I, I wrote uh, emails at that time to, to a bunch of the pastors around, just wanted to introduce myself and, you know, get together and, uh, again, sort of learn about ministry in the Peoria area a little bit. And uh, some were uh, open to that and some similar kind of deal. There were some from uh, some churches around that, that they've created a system in which you don't have access to the pastor, right? That's, that's, and we kind of understand how that works. If you... Uh, uh, write a letter to your, you know, to the president or something. Are you going to expect that he's going to read that? Probably not, because there's layers of bureaucracy that are set up to keep important people, right, from, from interacting and being, you know, taking the time to interact with you. <laughs> That's the bad way to say it. But, right, I mean, that, that, we, we get that. In business, this happens. I, you can't just uh, send an email and probably have the CEO of CAT get it, you know, right away or, or whatever else. We kind of understand how that happens. Oftentimes, the more important, quote, quote, uh, that people are, the less access that common people have to get a hold of them, to interact with them. You with me? You kind of see what I'm talking about here? Here's what's interesting to me. A father is totally different, though, right? A good father is totally different. You don't need to, to make an appointment with a secretary. <laughs> you don't have to. Good fathers give access to their children. 
In fact, they might have, uh, I mean, they might be one of the few people that you'd actually take their call, right, right, no matter what's happening in your world. They might be one of the few people that they walk in the room, your phone goes down, and you, you turn, to, turn your face towards them and interact with them. Because with fathers, it's different than a CEO, it's different than a boss, it's different than whatever else. With a father, there's direct access, there's relationship back and forth. And that's kind of what we're getting at with this whole deal. According to God's book, according to His Word, the fact that you are a child of God gives you direct access to walk up before the throne of God, the most important being of the universe, crawl up on His lap and call Him Daddy. I mean, think about that. Part of being a child of God means you have bold access to God. Romans 8.14 8.14 is where I'm going to start. It says, those that are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves again to fear. Rather, the Spirit you received uh, brought about your adoption to sonship or daughtership. And by that Spirit we cry, Abba, Father. So the Spirit Himself testifies that we uh, are God's children. Some of us have heard uh, verses like this before. We've maybe gotten used to calling God Father. But you have to understand that no other religion in history before this moment or after this moment ever dared to refer to God as, as Papa, as Daddy, which is what Abba means. Right? To refer to God like that opens the door to and, and communicates something about an intimate relationship with a good Daddy that cares about you, that loves you, that thinks that you're important and that you matter. To grab a hold of this, really rightly rightly understood, should revolutionize our understanding of God. It's a picture of a kind of intimacy with God that no one thought was possible in that day and age. Listen to this quote from Brendan Manning. He says this. He said, Abba, as a way of addressing God, is an authentic original utterance of Jesus. Nobody else had ever done it before. We're confronted with some new, something new and astounding. Herein lies the great novelty of the gospel. Jesus, the beloved Son of God, does not hoard the experience for himself. Instead, he invites and calls us to share that same kind of intimate and liberating relationship with Jesus. I love that. You've got bold access to the living God. Ephesians 3, 12 through 15 says it this way. In Him, in Jesus, and through faith in Him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. He goes on and says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family of heaven and earth derives its name, and He prays for them. He's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an address to the family of God. He's saying, as a part of God's family, you and I have direct access to the living God. It's one of the cool things. We don't have to go through a priest. We don't have to have somebody else inter, you know, as an intermediary, you know, somebody else to kind of represent us before God. We can go directly to God. We can have intimate relationship with Him. We can know Him dearly because we're children of God. Here's the picture, friends. Because of Jesus, we are adopted into His family, and therefore you and I have direct access to God. We can boldly approach the throne. We can crawl up in His lap, and we can call Him Daddy. And not only can we do that, but He is delighted when you do. He invites you come close. He invites you, come, come and talk to me. Come and spend time with me. That's what it means to be a child of God. There's a book uh, by Dallas Willard called Hearing God, and he, in it he tells a story about uh, a little child 
whose mother had died. And this kid was a wreck. I mean, he couldn't be adequately consoled and continued to be troubled, especially at night. He just couldn't sleep. He'd panic, and there's fear and anxiety and all kinds of stuff going on. The only thing that could console him is that he would go in to his father's room, and he would get up and lay down in the bed. And, but, but that wasn't enough. It wasn't just being in the father's presence, but he would reach up and feel for his dad's face, and he'd say, Daddy, is your face turned towards me? And only when his face was turned towards him could he have peace enough that he could sleep, that he could rest. And the author goes on to say how lonely life can be if we're living in a world where we don't know the Father's face is turned towards us. There's all the difference in the world between having a fine general view that this is our Father's world versus having confidence based on experience that the Father's face is turned towards us, shining upon us, and that the Father Himself is speaking to us individually. Friends, that's part of what it means to be a child of God. It's not just some heady thing of saying, oh yeah, I'm the Son of God, check the box. Are you kidding me? The Father's face is turned towards you. He cares. He wants relationship. He wants, it doesn't matter if you're on a high or in the valley or anywhere in between. He cares. You have direct access to Him and He wants you, right? He, he invites you to come close. Third one, and this is just a real short one. It's, it's kind of a an extra goes along with the last one because not only do we have can we do we have bold access to God but this is just a reminder that it's not just direct access to the father but this is the direct access to the creator of the universe right the god that spoke and everything that is came into being the god that can heal the god that can provide in miraculous ways the god who can do anything right it's God that we're talking about here that we have direct access to. And therefore, we have direct access as well to all of, not just our resources, but all of His resources, which is limitless. Listen to this. It says, uh, Galatians 4, 6 through 7 says, because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, the Spirit that cries out again, Abba, Father. But He says, so you are no longer a slave, but you are God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir, which by the way, these two concepts of being a child of God and an heir of God almost always go together in the New Testament. You hear them referred to again and again and again. Think about that, an heir. What is an heir? It's okay to talk in church. What's an heir? What's that? Yeah, somebody that inherits something. What do they inherit, by the way? Yeah, but I'm just talking in general. If you're an heir, what... Riches, eternal life, yeah, yeah. Uh, you inherit all that once belonged to the person you're inheriting from, right? And it might get divided up or whatever, but you're, you inherit that kind of stuff. I mean, think about this. Well, what does God own? I'm not saying He's going to, you know, divide up billions, and I mean, that's not, but He said there's riches that are available to you and to me that He makes available all the fullness of heaven, the bounty of heaven. He says, you're heirs to that. It is heading your way. There's, you have access to stuff that only the living God can do. Matthew 7, uh, Jesus is teaching. 
and he says this, and I just, I just love the picture. He said, which of you fathers, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a steak? He says, if you then, though you are evil, he means sinful, right? He's what he's kind of, if, if, if you then, though you are sinful, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your kids, he says, how much more will your good daddy, will your good papa in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Do you see the picture? He's saying, you're a child of God, and what father doesn't love to pour out good gifts on his kids? If that's the way it is for you, imagine how it is for the living God, the perfect, powerful God who delights to pour out good gifts on his kids. Does that always mean that we get exactly what we want? No, of course not. What good, what good parent would give their kid exactly what they wanted all the time? not happening, right? Sometimes He gives us what we need. Sometimes He gives us what we don't even ask for, what we didn't, what we didn't even know we wanted. But He's good, and He delights in pouring out the fullness of heaven on His kids. Let's keep going. Fourth one, fourth thing, being a child of God means is that we become like Him. We've all heard phrases and said phrases like, like this one, like, like Father, like or we'll say there's a family resemblance sometimes, or I have to say in our, in our extended family, uh, me and my brother-in-law will joke around uh, because uh, Tina and her sister, there's sometimes where they'll say or do things, and it's exactly the same, right? So we'll laugh. One of their favorite movies uh, that they watch together almost every year during the holidays is White Christmas. Have you guys ever seen White Christmas? And there's this song in there where there's, there's these uh, the two sisters that are a part of this, and they think, sisters, sisters. And so there'll be times when we'll be together, and they'll, they'll actually uh, say something, one or the other of them will say something, and Tony and I will look at each other, my brother-in-law and I will look at each other and start saying, sisters, because <laughs> we're just like, that's exactly, there's a family resemblance, right? Sometimes we say things or do things that, and, and you look at it and you be like, that's just like your dad, or that's just like your sister, or that's like, just like your mom, right? You can see it, and sometimes it's physical, right? Physical, somebody will have a look, or they'll have a, something that they'll do, and you'll be like, oh my gosh, that's so like whatever, but sometimes it's more, sometimes it's, it's like values or things that are, uh, even phrases, things that are important, things that matter to specific families, and their, their identity has been shaped because of the family of origin, the family that they're a part of. You know what I'm talking about? The same thing is true here. As, as, when we, as we are a part of God's family, when we are His sons or our, and daughters, we are impacted and influenced by the Father's teaching and the Father's values and the Father's tremendous love and forgiveness and grace. The Bible talks about it over and over and over. We shall become like Him. If we are God's sons and daughters, then we become like Him. 1 John 3, I read the verse 1, but let me read the rest of it here. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. It says, The reason that the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, the second time, that we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. All of us who have hope in Him purify ourselves just as He is pure. Transformation and change is the destiny of every child of God. 
One day we will be completely and totally finished and transformed into what we were always meant to be. But even now, day by day, we are purified. We are changed. We are transformed. We become like Him. Like father, like son. Like father, like daughter. We are becoming like Him. And then I'm going to hit the fifth one. This one is just something I thought was cool. (laughs) Uh, And so I'm going to share it with you. This is kind of a bonus Sometimes I think uh, we're just not sure about God's plans for us. I mean, yeah, we get the whole children of God thing. We can ura ra at the right times. But for whatever reason, we tend to keep Him at a distance. We're not sure we can trust Him. We'll think things like, man, if I let go of control, will my life be okay? What if God asks me to do something that I don't like? What if I follow Him, but it doesn't turn out the way that I want in the end? And I mean, I get it. Sometimes stuff is hard, and from our perspective, we have a hard time understanding what God is doing sometimes. Sometimes He's teaching us stuff. Sometimes He's working in the midst of pain, in the midst of hardship. Hebrews 12, in fact, even tells us that sometimes hardship and discipline are proof, the Bible says, that we are God's children. He's treating us like a father. And sometimes hard stuff He brings or allows in our lives are for our good. I get sometimes, though, it's, it's hard to understand. It's hard to accept those kinds of challenges in our lives. And so I want to wrap up uh, with this just one kind of picture uh, of Jesus, an, an interaction that Jesus has with some of his own kids, right, with some of the kids that were around him in that day. And I want you to uh, just be reminded, Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the exact representation of the Father. When What you see from Jesus is what you see from God, right? There's no difference, right? So we, the, this is the picture when we, when we think about what is God's heart? What is the Father's heart towards you? What is His interaction like with you? What does He want for you? Is it, can we really trust Him? Is it really for our good? I want you to read this with me, and I want you to hear that and apply it to your own life. Mark 10, uh, verses 13 through 16, it says, people were bringing little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them but the disciples rebuked them, right? Limit, limited access, right? The disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant, and he said to them, let the little children come to me, and don't hinder them from coming, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And so he took the little children in his arms, he placed his hands on them, and he blessed them. I just love the picture of this. I love the the way it ends, right? He scoops up the children like a child one at a time in his arms. He placed his hand on them and he blessed them. He prayed for them, probably reassured them of God's love and favor for each one of them. He probably prayed for good things for them. He probably prayed that they'd know the Father's face turned towards them, that they'd experience His love and His presence in their lives. He blessed them. It's the Father's heart towards you, friends. Listen to this. You are His child. If you have opened up your heart and your life to Christ, the heart of God, what He wants to do for you, He wants to scoop you up in His arms. He wants to assure you of His love, and He wants to bless you. He's not against you. He is for you. He loves you like that. You are his son or his daughter. You matter to God like you can't even imagine. He wants to pull you in close and bless you. Henry Nowen, 
uh, one final story. It was a Catholic priest, uh, an author that I love reading, by the way. But he, uh, he lived his last years and worked uh, at a home for mentally and physically disabled people. And here's what he writes. I'm going to read it because I just think this is a, a wonderful picture of blessing. He says this. He says, not long ago in my own community, I had a very personal experience about the power of a real blessing. Shortly before I started a prayer service in one of our houses, Janet, a handicapped woman, uh, said to me, she said, Henry, will you give me a blessing? Now, he's a Catholic priest, and so he's like, I know how to do this. And so he said, I, I put my thumb on her forehead, I made the sign of the cross, and she said this. She said, no, that doesn't work. I want a real blessing, she said. And he said, suddenly, he said, I became aware of the ritualistic quality of my response to her request. He said, oh, I'm so sorry. He said, let me give you a real blessing when we're all together for prayer. She nodded with a smile, and I realized that something special was required for me. After the service, when there's about 30 people were sitting on, in a circle on the floor, I said to the crowd, to the, to the people gathered there, I said, Janet has asked me for a special blessing. She feels like that, sh that she needs that right now. And as I was saying this, I didn't even know what Janet really wanted, but Janet didn't leave me in doubt for very long. As soon as I said Janet has asked for a special blessing, she stood up and walked towards me. I was wearing a long white robe with ample sleeves covering my hands and, and arms as well. Spontaneously, Janet put her arms around me. She put her head in against my chest, and without even thinking, I... I, I covered her with the sleeves uh, so that she almost vanished, uh, vanished in the folds of my robe. He says this, as we held each other, I said, Janet, I want you to know that you are God's beloved daughter. You are precious in his eyes. Your beautiful smile, your kindness to the people in your house and all the good things that you do shows uh, what a beautiful human being you are. He said, I know that you feel a little low these days. And there's some sadness in your heart, but I want you to remember who you are. You are a very special person, deeply loved by God and all the people here who are with you. As I said these words, Janet raised her head. She looked at me, and her broad smile showed that she had really heard and received that blessing. When she returned to her place, Jane, another handicapped woman, raised her hand and said, I want a blessing too. <laughs> he said, come. And so she came, same kind of deal, put her head against my chest. And after I had spoken words of blessing to her, many more of the handicapped people followed, expressing the same desire to be blessed. He said, but the most touching moment, however, came when one of my assistants, a 24-year-old grad student, raised his hand and said, what about me? I want a blessing too. And he said, sure. Henry Nowitz said, come. And the guy came up. And he said this, he said, as, I stood, as we stood there uh, before each other, I put my arms around him and I said, John, it's so good that you're here. You are God's beloved son. Your presence is a joy for all of us. And when there are hard things that come and life is burdensome, I want you to always remember that you are loved with an everlasting love. As I spoke these words, tears began to stream down his face. And he said, thank you, thank you so much, he said. And I share that because I love the picture. I don't think it's any different than the picture that we just read from Jesus' words himself. God's desire for you, the Father's desire for you, he wants to enfold you, right? Wrap you up in his arms. He wants to speak tenderly to you his words of love and remind you that you belong to him. You are his beloved son and his beloved daughter. You matter to God. And as a result, 
You are His child, right? You belong. You have bold access to Him 24-7. He delights when you come to Him, when you draw near. All the bounty of God's resources are available to you. You're becoming like Him, and He wants to pour out His blessing on you. Friends, as we, as we wrap up for the day, I just want you, to, I want you to receive that from God today. Know that you are dearly loved son or daughter of the King. Let's close in prayer. Father, we, uh, we thank You. At the core of our identity, You speak words of love and belonging and life to us. At the core of our identity, it's not, it's not what we can achieve or do. It's not uh, how many likes we have or how many friends we have or how many whatever. But when all that stuff is stripped away, that we can know that, that we matter and that we belong because we are loved, because we are your sons and daughters, not because we earn it or deserve it, but because of your own grace and mercy poured out through Jesus. Father, we just uh, right now just want to open up our hands and our hearts. Just pray, God, would you speak to us those words of love? Would you etch in our minds even the fact that we are your beloved kids? Would you teach us to walk with you as our Abba, as our Papa, as our Daddy, that we could know your love and your presence, that we could boldly approach your throne with confidence? bring our requests, the stuff that's going on in our lives, and lay it down before you. And even today, God, give us confidence knowing that you want to pour out your blessing on us as well. We love you. We need you. We just say, come Lord Jesus, come and have your way. Come and lead us and guide us and be our God and our Father. Jesus' name we pray. Amen.